Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. We have a very special guest on today's program, former Giants wide receiver Amani Toomer. We'll be taking your phone calls. We'll be getting into all the latest with respect to training camp. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Amani, glad to have you aboard. How are things? I'm, I'm doing great until I walked in here. Yeah, I know. We, we should probably discuss that off the top before we get into Giants' relevant subjects. The fact that you had an opportunity to review our background here. I was like, oh, that's a great And you're background. not on here. I was like, this is a great background. We walk in the room. Yeah. I was like, this is great. Well, where's my picture? <laughs> um, we have can't members. Find it. Can't find it at all. Members of the production staff are on the wall. We got members of the production staff's animals on the wall. Correct, yes. That's probably the top insult of all, Abani. <laughs> you got punters on the wall. Correct. Punters, yes. Punters <laughs> that Beagles, work on this show, Jeff too, Beagles we should mention. Jeff well represented. Yes. As well, he should be. But, you know, I mean, you know, four or five pictures of Jeff Beagles up? And know. not one. Not one. Of Amani Toomer. Not one. Well, that's why we're going to have some serious conversations <laughs> after the program, Amani, to right the ship. But I'm glad you, you came in here wrong. and noticed that. Yes. Exactly. We got to right the wrong, too. Yeah considering these developments. But uh, it is glad to have you in the mix here on uh -huh. Big Blue Kickoff Live. So I know you were out at practice today. Yes, I was. What were some of your impressions from what you saw, just from a structure standpoint or some of the players? It, it really seemed uh, a lot different from last season. And just it's audibly. Like, you, I walked on the practice, and, you know, they had the music playing, the warm-ups, which is, you know, for the fans out there. But then once it started, it was football. It was football all the way. And that's kind of, you know, what I – we expect to come to training camp. You want to see coaches coaching. You want to see players playing hard and, and, and receiving the coaching. And I don't see how they did it last year when the music was going on and you couldn't hear yourself think. You know, you have to make changes in the moment, you know, to get the, you know, the entire defense or entire offense or entire scheme together in the moment. you got to make little tweaks. And if you can't do that until in coaching off the film, I think you miss that opportunity of on-the-field um, action where you're – putting things together. Now, one of the interesting things, and this is something that I actually wanted to ask you because I know you could provide some insight. Pat Shermer and Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, have said a big emphasis this season is they're making sure the wide receivers are moved around yes. and everybody is learning yes. every position. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, hey, Odell, we're only going to play on the outside or mm -hmm. Sterling, you're only going to play in the slot. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience with respect to camps? Did they usually move wide receivers around from your experience with the Giants, or did you normally focus on just one spot in particular? Well, I think the good teams that were on, you, you learned one spot, but you were made aware of everything going on. So you would understand every position. You wouldn't run every route that way, but if it came down to a crunch and they wanted to throw a particular receiver uh, in a particular spot, they wouldn't have to explain everything, anything to them. They'd be like, okay, you're number three in this progression. We want you to line up here and run this route. Or you're number one in the progression, and we want you right up here, and you'll be able to, to understand the general concept of what goes on. I think it's even better to take it to another level that you're actually running the routes and getting that experience. Well, and that's why they're looking at that versatility as something that could give the Giants offense – a big benefit come the regular season in case somebody goes down with an injury. Well, and also versatility, meaning you're that much harder to game plan for. Because if you're always in a certain spot, if you always run up to the left or always run up opposite of the tight end, then, then as, you know, they don't even have to look at after the huddle. They, once the huddle breaks, they watch the tight end, they know exactly where you're going. So now, in, you know, you're going to have to sit there. It's going to take them that much more time on defense to figure out where is Odell? Where is Shepard? Where, you know, where is Ingram? Where, where are all these guys, and where are they in relation to, um, uh, to what's going on in the offense? In terms of being predictable, to your point. Exactly. And, exactly. and I think that's a, a very good point because, you know, once you get an idea of where a guy's going to line up, you're giving things away for the defense. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I think, you know, some teams would always line up a receiver at the X position, and that's usually the weak side, uh, meaning the opposite side of the tight end. So sometimes, you know, you know you probably, you know, some teams run towards the weak side, some teams run towards the strong side. So when they saw the receiver go out, they would check their defensive scheme to, 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 to slant to that side or to make sure that they had that, the, their running game covered more on the side that they more predictably go. So everything you do gives the defense a tell 
on how on where you're going to actually go, and it's going it makes it that much easier for them to do their jobs. Well, and related to that, Amani, what we've seen in practice, I think at the start is Saquon Barkley. They're even moving him around yeah. in different spots. I mean, today he was lining up on the outside. They had Olivier Vernon defending him out in coverage. Mm-hmm. So the more you move around him, mm-hmm. then you don't know is he going to be a receiver? Is he going to run the ball out of the backfield? Mm-hmm. So I think that adds an extra layer to the offense as well. Yeah, and unpredictability is the offense's friend. I mean, the thing that we that offensive players have over the defense as we know where we're going. And if you limit the – if you allow the defense through your scheme to know where you're going to go and predict where you're going to go, it just makes their job easier. They don't have to play every single part of the zone if they know that what you do out of this particular formation is attack this, this, these particular spots – so they just defend those spots. So that's why, obviously, they're moving a lot of personnel around during camp. They're trying to get everybody to understand the concepts, the core principles of this offense. You've worked with a variety of offenses. Amadi, mm-hmm. what's the biggest challenge when you're coming into a new offense, even when you're an established veteran? Uh, just the terminology. I mean, that's usually what it is because after you've been around a while, everybody pretty much runs the same thing. It's just how do you get about it? How do you, you know, what are the nuances of it? And how do you you know, communicate the different adjustments on the fly. So the jargon in the huddle, yeah, essentially. Exactly. It's like learning a new language, you know, but you pretty much know what's gonna, what you're going to do. Sometimes there's things that are a little bit different, but to, to, to be able to play at a high level, in my opinion, you have to be able to not even think about what goes on. You have to just be able to react. And if you can't react, and if it's not a, re- a, a knee-jerk reaction to different things that happen, different blitzes, different you know, kind of um, coverages on defense, then you're, you're, behind, the, you're behind the game. You, if you're thinking about what you have to do, you're, already, you're making a mistake. Well, and you're slowing yourself down exactly. because you want to play fast, I exactly. would assume. I mean, that's a big part of just running out on the route. Yeah going with the flow, and then obviously being in sync with the quarterback as opposed to, do I go left, do I go right? Yeah, now the safety moved over, what am I doing in all these circumstances? If you don't know what you're doing ahead of time um, and everything just has this reaction, you're, you're behind the game, and you won't be able to play as fast as you are. And that's why they want everybody to, as I mentioned, digest this offense. Now, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, Amani. We could talk about the usual suspects, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard. But I think what's interesting to watch for this team is who makes the third position, the fourth Mm -hmm. position, the fifth position, and so forth. Cody Latimer is one of the new faces. Mm -hmm. He came over from Denver. He also has ties to Tyke Tolbert Mm because Tyke Tolbert was the Broncos wide receivers coach. When you are on the back end, you know this better than anybody. If you don't play special teams, you're going to have a very difficult time to make this roster. How critical is that for guys that are competing on the back end, especially at the wide receiver position? It's, it's uh, 100%. You know, I mean, you, you don't want to have a player that's not starting and not contributing uh, on, on special teams. You'd actually take a guy who's less talented – uh, to play that third receiver if he can help you on special teams because they're you know when the when the you know when all else is equal the things that, that separate you as a receiver that's not starting is if you're going able to uh, if you're able to con- c- compete on special teams and give them uh, not not just be out there doing th- but making tackles and contributing. So look at this. We, we got to interrupt our conversation, Amani. This may be a first on Big Blue Kickoff Live. The picture arrives during the course of the show. Oh, oh it's still hot. It's yeah, still it is. Warm. It's, it's still, still r- right, right out of the printer. <laughs> now, I think ceremoniously we should have you officially put it on the background. And it, my recommendation would be to cover up certain individuals. Okay, all right. So, But, but I'm going to let you choose the spot that you, know you want to put I, your photo on. I think up. somebody is overrepresented. Okay. I know he's a part of the show. Yes, but he's a little over. I, I think I know who you have in mind. And you know, I love him. He, he's you know he's one of the the punters that I really respected. And when I remember we played for the Seattle Seahawks. He single handedly made because uh, our offense wasn't good enough to to drive the whole field. So he would ke- he would keep us in the coffee. He would keep <laughs> us on the long field, and we wouldn't a- we weren't able to make a. Complete drive, but I'll just cover. Help change field position, essentially. Yeah. And, and no, now you're changing field su- position, too. I'm not going to do the That's Super what you're Bowl doing. one. I think I'll just do the, you know, this one. The generic one. The generic. The generic like, still so photo gonna, of put, Jeff Eagles in action. Yeah, I'm going to put it right yeah, there. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you some assistance. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. Love you, Jeff, but. Uh, so there it is. You know, I'm Amani Toomer officially right on the wall. Here. There you go. Right above Jeff Eagles. Perfect. Am I in the picture? Am I, no, let me see. 
Okay, yeah. good, good. Absolutely. Put it right so by my head. Right for there. shows moving forward, you will now be <laughs> well represented, whether you have the mic on or not. All right. You're That's in the great. house. Great. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. We're gonna open up the phone lines. You want to delve into various topics regarding training camp, as well as weigh in with Amani Toomer on a number of subjects. Let's get the festivities started. Jim is in Toledo. Jim gets us going. Jim, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. How's everything? Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well, Jim. Jim. What do you got for us? Uh, I guess my main question I just want to ask you about, there's been like a few reports over the last few days uh, about Nate Solder kind of struggling, the O-line struggling. I guess coming into training camp, I just assumed with the switch from 4-3 to 3-4 that our offensive line would be getting the better of the D-line. And everything we've been hearing is the D-line looks great and they're getting all the pressure. And So I just kind of wanted to get your guys' take on that since you're actually at the facilities and see the practices. Well, defense is going to come around quicker usually. And traditionally, that's what happens. They come around quicker. The offensive line, it's a, it's a position that has – it's not just, you know, one player – uh, working against the other player. It's a whole line working against the defensive line. So I think, you know, give them time. I don't think that, you know, it's, it's just because you have the names. Uh, I mean, the best offensive line I ever played with was a bunch of guys that were really good players in themselves, but together they were much better uh, as a unit. So it's, it's, it's a position that takes a lot of time. Um, I heard a lot of good things about Nate Sold, uh, Solder. I've heard a lot of good things about, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the battle going on at center. So, I mean, there, it's competition going on right now, and I think that, you know, jump into a conclusion about in, in week number one of training camp or finishing up week number one of training camp, um, I, I think that's a little bit premature. I, I would give them at least a couple preseason games to, and then really reevaluate the situation instead of right off the bat making a decision. And, Amani, you brought up the center position. Interestingly, Brett Jones worked a little bit with the first team today. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. had primarily been with the second team because John Jalapio has been yeah. working with the first yeah. team. So that's a battle to watch. And, you know, based on what Amani said, Jim, keep in mind, it's also still a small sample size in training camp. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And, Jim, you mentioned, well, with the defense moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4, this is a very versatile defense. James Betcher uses still four or five guys on the defensive line, yeah. even though the core, Amani, is a 3-4. So mm -hmm. just because you only have three guys on the defensive line doesn't mean Nate Solder's only looking at three guys more often than and not. And most of the times it's harder for offensive linemen because of the fact that you have more athletic players coming at you. Where the linebackers tend to be able more a little more agile, they tend to be – you know, better, it's harder to, you know, you can, the big guys are bigger because they're harder to move. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very difficult scheme to really, uh, to, to very quickly be able to transfer over and, and be able to, um, you know, just to play at a high level against you. And Pat Shermer has commented he loves the competition, yeah. what he's seen thus far, yeah. and that's what he's looking for each and every day. And, you know, he brought up the point, and you could relate to this as a player that's been out at practice every mm -hmm. single day. The fans, the media love to judge every single day who yeah. won, who lost. Yeah. Whereas from the coaching lens, Amani, and I'm sure even from the players' lens, it's a little bit different in terms of your outlook, what you're trying to get out of practice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to make the mistakes so that you can learn from them and then you make the changes moving forward. Yeah, you want to make the mistakes now. You want to make yeah. the mistakes where you have opportunity to kind of go over film and it's not – you know, you're not going to win or lose a game because of these different decisions, right? Because of these different things you do right now. You want to just try and um, really explore the offense, explore the defense, explore all the changes, so that when you're when it comes down to game time, you'll have a lot more mistakes in your mind, and you'll have a lot more uh, you know focus on what you really have to do, and you'll be nailed down to your techniques a lot more because you you know what not, what to and what not to do. Hey, Jim, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Let's head back to the lines. We got Wayne in South Carolina. Wayne, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Uh, how you doing, Lance and Monty? Hello, Wayne. It's great. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks um, for making it. What do you got for us? I'm real excited about the Giants this year. Obviously, they brought in um, – I, I really like Gettleman and uh, the coaches and the players. And I, I think Gettleman's uh, got a, a real good, uh, like, tough like – you, you know, he's bringing in tough players – but I wanted to ask Amani. I'm like, I'm I'm a huge fan, and uh, you're one of my all-time favorite Giants. Um, and I really appreciate all you did and all you did for the Giants. Um, I was wondering if you have a favorite catch. Uh, mine is probably that the one in Green Bay in the championship game, uh, and I was cringing when you fell. I, I figured that might have hurt a little bit. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
May have left a mark or two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think the catch that I remember the most is the one I made against uh, Denver Broncos when they were, I think, 13-0 or 14. Yeah, they? John Elway under Yeah, the John Elway. Yeah, yeah that was remember the one that. I remember. That was kind of like because my first couple years in the league were a struggle. And then when I got to when I you know when I got to my third year it kind of loosened up and everything started flowing a little better and uh, I made that play and that kind of like I don't know set my career on a di totally different path. That was a huge victory for the organization, huge, yeah. given what Denver had coming in and how strong a team that was in the AFC. All Anything right, cool. else? For us and way? then yeah. I just have one last question. Uh, like I, I know that you started doing yoga, I guess, towards the latter part of your career, and yes. it seemed like it rejuvenated you and uh, you. Never seemed to get injured, so like, was that a big part of it? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I stopped lifting weights. I just did yoga, and I do the you know I'd go in there with the strength coach, and we do some push-ups and stuff. But yoga, as you get older, you get tighter, and the tighter you get as a football player, it's not usually the better, the best thing. You got to stay stay limber, limber, flexible, and that's kind of how you, you stick around a long time. Being able to, you know, uh, uh, be able to, you know, just keep your body supple and, and you know, able to play move. All right, Wayne. Appreciate the phone right, call. Awesome. You got right, it. Thanks, guys. I thanks really thanks so much, it. Wayne. Absolutely. It's interesting you brought that up, Imani, because, you know, not that you played ancient centuries ago, but the <laughs> technology. No, well, I mean, I didn't want to date you too much. <laughs> but the technology has changed so much. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, you went the direction of yoga. Mm -hmm. You see even through practices, they monitored these guys, how much mileage they're running and so forth. If you were around with all this technology, do you think you would have changed? Your no. schematics or your scheme at all in terms of how you went about camp? No, because, I mean, they have more technology. They have all these different things to analyze you. But you know what? The human body is still the same. So all, all this stuff that they do is great. But I, I think that there was a tried-and-true method that I used. And um, I think whatever I did worked, yet worked back when I was playing. And I think it will work today. And it seems as if every player has their own mentality yeah. with respect to that. I mean, did exactly. a lot of guys follow your lead? Some, some did. Um, some did, okay. some didn't. But, you know, I mean, I knew it worked for me, and I knew um, – but, you know, it might not work for everybody else. So I think that's what you got to do as a player, just figure out what works for you the best and, and stick with that, something that will keep you in shape, keep you um, limber and – and study your playbook. That's about it. You know, you'll be able and you'll be able to stick in the league for a long time. Absolutely. Now, if you would have got the offensive lineman to do a little yoga, that would have just at least been interesting and exciting to watch. You know what? The funny thing about it is those offensive linemen, because the three-point stands, they're they're usually pretty flexible. They need to be. Yeah, I because you got to get yeah. you know you get in the three-point stands, you got to drop your hips a little bit. You know, I mean, stay in that position for a long time. Yeah, I see those centers where they where they have their hand on the ball and they're they're dropping their hips and they're turning their shoulders and they're kind of making out different calls, surveying the field. Yeah, and everything. I mean, yeah, like, that, that's pretty. You know, I mean, they got to be a little flexible. They yeah. do. They do. Yeah. You got to be a little flexible for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, Deal and Soybird and all yeah. your boys. You know, yeah. they, they they need to show a little dexterity I'm and flexibility you, as yeah. well. Luke Pettigrew used to almost do the splits. He was really, he did, really wow. Look at this. See, really we're, we're getting the yeah. juicy stuff on this yeah, program. Yeah. That's what we want to hear on Big Blue <laughs> Kickoff Live. Thanks for tuning in here on Friday's edition. Let's head back to the lines. We got Freddie in New Jersey. Freddie, what's happening? Hey, not much, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Freddie. Thank you for taking my call. And, Absolutely. You know, Monty, thank you for everything that you did for the Giants. I appreciate you. Thank you. And it was all you're for welcome, you. sir. <laughs> it was all for you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, I've been really impressed with uh, OV during um, the start of his training camp. And I think um, moving to that 3-4 uh, defense is really going to benefit him. Yeah. And um, I, I, I think he's going to lead top at least 12 sacks this year. And he's going to be in the, uh, in the discussion for the defensive player of the year. Wait, wait, you think 12 sacks is going to get you defensive player of the year? Regardless of what you just said about OV, you think 12 sacks is going to get you defensive player of the year? No, you can have more than that, at least. Uh, that's the minimum. Oh, but that's you said, okay, okay. Right. I thought you said he was going to have 12. So that's the floor for Olivier Vernon this season. Well, okay. Chandler Jones led the NFL in sacks last year. He had 17 and a half. Wow. I remember, uh, remember. And he was in James Betcher's defense, by the way. Oh, that's, that's, so, that's a good so another time. Yeah. That's, that's a nugget. You yeah, doing your nugget, work right there. I appreciate it. Sometimes I pat myself <laughs> on the back. Thank you. I'll be here all week, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I just remember Watt, J.J. Watt having 20 sacks and yeah. 22, oh, absolutely. 21. Oh, Strahan, too. Strahan, yeah. 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 Those, I thought yeah, those were absolutely. And um, also, real fast, um, I think the time's going to get this uh, OBJ's new deal wrapped up by the uh, beginning of the season. Let's hope. So I, I, really, I, I really think that, you know, so we can move on from that. I and also, real fast, um, I, I've been watching the videos on Twitter and all that, and um, 
Jordan Renan tweeted out yesterday, I don't want to see if there was any truth to this, that Eli's look, his arm looked not velocity throwing the football. Is, is there any truth to that? No, I don't, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I, I saw him today throwing it around pretty well. So, um, Yeah, that, I, I, didn't, I thought I didn't the same thing. Yeah, and from what I've okay. seen, I haven't necessarily seen a change in his no. arm strength at all. And appreciate the phone call, Freddie. Thanks so much for weighing in. But you know what? Sometimes, Freddie, you might see, because the quarterback's in a new offense, you might see them being, just like we were talking about, a little bit unsure. Not saying he's unsure, but I'm just saying a little bit not, you know, he's not as familiar with the system, so he's thinking. He's not just going out there and reacting. The quickness exactly. is not the where it would be, might not be in the there. regular season. So I could see maybe that, you know, you're using to see, usually seeing him as quick as he was in the past. Maybe he's a little bit slower in terms of, you know, not, not that, he, that he doesn't understand the system, but the system hasn't, he hasn't internalized the system yet. Like, possibly. I didn't see it today, but possibly. Well, like you said, he's worked in a variety of systems, and when you're in it for three or four years, mm-hmm. by the time the fifth year rolls along, I mean, it's just it's like the back pop. of your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, even though, like you said, the concepts are similar, but yeah. the terminology is different, and mm-hmm. everybody else feeds off of Eli Manning what yeah. he says in the huddle. Yeah, and and they teach everything differently, right? So, like, you could you know have one thing, you know, you know, have a one scheme one way, and then they teach it just a little bit different, and that little difference is what makes uh, makes a big difference when it comes to playing Super Bowl-level uh, football. More of the reason why you want those additional reps during the preseason, exactly. to your point, Amani. So come the regular season, it becomes natural. Before we get back to the lines, I just want to piggyback off of the caller's point with Olivier Vernon. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with what he said. Vernon's looked extremely impressive yes, so yes. far this preseason. I think part of it, Amani, is he's healthy this year. Remember, he's dealt with the wrist injuries and so forth in his think, past. I don't think he's been healthy since he got here. I mean, that could very well be a factor. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's fair. ankle a couple of years ago, yeah. and then now the wrist, just like you said. Yeah, I don't think he's actually hit his, uh, his, his ceiling. And I think the 3-4, I mean, is going to suit him better. Interesting. Yeah, because I think he's going to be able to, you know, show more athleticism. Well, no, I think that's a, a fair point and something to watch. And the other thing that people forget, Amani, when he was with the Dolphins, they put him in coverage. Yeah. You know, he's not getting his first taste of dropping back in coverage with the Giants. Mm-hmm. He was thrown in the fire like that with the Miami yeah. Dolphins. So I don't think it's necessarily uncharted territory for yeah. him, even if they drop him back a little bit this no, season. No, I think the 3-4 is what he was used to. He came yeah. in the league as that, and now he's back to something that's a little bit more comfortable. Uh, the 4-3, you know, he's a, he's he's uh, stout enough to go down and be a 4-3, uh, you know, at end. But uh, I think he's more uh, at that OLB OB, um, outside linebacker position. I think he's much more comfortable. Which is why I brought up Chandler Jones, because yeah. Jones with the Patriots yes. was in a different defense, and then all of a sudden he had to adapt yeah. with James Betcher. So there's a lot of parallels between both of those players. Mm-hmm. The caller was referencing 12 sacks. He always only had one season, Amadi, where he's had double-digit sacks. So that's what's going to be very yeah. interesting. What's a good boil boil point mark mm-hmm. for Olivier Vernon in, in terms of what realistically he could get. 11 and a half is his career high. 11 and a half is career and high. And Kohler obviously very optimistic that 12 could be even the floor. So he's going to break his... He would have to have a career year. Yeah, definitely have to have a career year. Not saying it's impossible. I think that the the fact that he's going to be not only going to be the man, he, there's no about, no other, he's going to be the main pass rusher this year. And he's got the most experience. He's got the most experience, the main pass rusher, and he's back to the 3-4. So I think that that all looks up for Olivier Vernon, and I think uh, you know, I think I think he has the opportunity to go back and and I think he's going to break his his, his record, but uh, by how much is the question? Well, listen, if they can get double-digit sacks out of Olivier Vernon, yeah. I would say that's mission accomplished yeah. if I'm the Giants. Yeah. If you get double digits out of him, if Connor Barwin, oh, Connor, who was I just brought been, in, who's looked just, really good, yeah. and he's had at least five sacks in six of the last seven seasons, if you could get his typical production, his mm-hmm. average, maybe mm-hmm. five or six out of him, and Vernon gets double digits, you know, that's something to work with yeah. for no, the I other mean, players to build around. And you know what? The one thing I learned is the pass rush makes everybody in the defense better. You know, then you got quarterbacks not feeling comfortable throwing the ball up and, you know, and allowing the defenders to turn the, turn the, you know, turn the ball over and create, uh, you know, real opportunities for that offense for, on short fields. Lance Ben Omani Tuber with the ear on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're fielding your phone calls at 201-939-4513. We'll also get to some of your tweets, hashtag Giants Chat. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? 
Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Who else, Scott? Scott? What's happening? Good. Uh, I had a question, and it regards the backup wide receivers, so I think both of you have expertise in this area. Uh, I'm very much in favor of one of the backup wide receivers, but I want to know how it actually works. Say, uh, I know we have... uh, uh, Lewis and uh, Cody Latimer. We also have the one that I, I've uh, seen on film and looks really good. It's uh, Khalif Raymond. Yep. And I know, Lance, you've mentioned him before. But uh, say uh, they, he gets into a game, and I'm not picking him above uh, any other receiver, but say he gets into the game in Detroit, and he gets wide open and he drops the ball. And most of the uh, the backup wide receivers are going to get maybe one or two touches. So how does the evaluation process really work? Is, do uh, coaches really value more what happens in training camp, or do they take everything into consideration, or is it a process uh, in regards to what they look like on film? So I was just curious from your perspective, Romani, and from you, Lance, how they actually judge a player. And as I said, I'm a big fan of Khalif. I think he has the expertise. But say he goes to the game, as I mentioned, drops the ball. Uh, does he go back to the line, so to speak, and another receiver gets in front of him, or what actually transpires? I think it's bigger than just the game. I think it's how, how professional is he? How, um, how well is he learning the offense? Does he make a lot of mental mistakes? And if you, do, if you do all that and you drop a ball in the game, they're just like, oh, he just had a bad game. Do you catch the balls in practice? Was that an uh, epiphany for you to drop the balls, or was that a, a trend of that's what's, what's going on? So it, I don't know if the games are as important um, as practice in some circumstances if all the other boxes are checked. Now, if he's dropping right. the ball in the practice and he drops the ball in the game, they're like, oh, well, why do we put him in there in the first place? But if he's catching everything and then goes in the game and drops it, they're probably thinking, you know what, that probably was a bad game for him. We're going to give him another shot. But if he keeps dropping them, you know, there's nothing much you could do. So I, right. I, I, just, I just don't know particularly in, in every situation it's the same. It's sometimes there's nuance to everything in terms of how you evaluate players. And, you know, you've got to account for just having a bad day. No, I think that's okay. a very good point, Amani. We'll, we'll let you continue, Scott. The other thing I would add, Amani, is also the reverse. If a guy doesn't have great practice habits and then all of a sudden things click and register in a game, mm-hmm. I wonder what that then does to the coaching staff. Well, maybe this guy is a guy that gets up for games, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't necessarily show as much consistency in practice. And do they lean on, hey, we wanted to translate more to the games than necessarily what we're seeing in practice. Mm-hmm. So that, that's got to be something that they have to weigh as well. And that's coach's comfort. Like, yeah. Sometimes coaches will put a player out there that they feel more comfortable with. And a lot of there's not many players in the league that can that are gamers. Most of them are guys that show and are consistent through practice and and, and throughout their the their entire uh, the season, meeting rooms, everything. Everything has to be consistent because there's too much riding on it to get. Of course, a guy like oh well he's he's gonna catch in the game. He'll be all right. He'll yeah. be able to do it in the game. That usually doesn't let coaches sleep too well at night. Too much right. rolling of the dice and <laughs> yeah. then you're keeping your fingers crossed. Oh, he'll bring it today. We'll oh, be he'll okay. Be all right. Yeah, no, that usually doesn't. That usually, <laughs> you don't last like that. I'll tell you that. What okay. else you got, Scott? Well, I have just two questions and I can take them both off the air. Sure. Uh, first question is, uh, will the Giants average 25 points a game in either of your opinion? That equates to about 400 points. And then uh, will Saquon Barkley obtain uh, 2,500 all-purpose yards this year? That's uh, obviously receptions, rushing, and kick and or punt returns. And thanks, guys. Thanks right, for Scott, the insight. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I, got don't, it. I don't see him doing too much returning because I don't think the Giants drafted him just to have a good rookie season. And uh, more the more you, you do, of course, is the better and the more you stay around. But I feel like they're not going to – just put, throw him out there and, and shorten a career of uh, a running back that could be actually very special. It's sort of the debate of what goes on with Odell Beckham mm-hmm. because the Steelers, with the way they use Antonio Brown, Amani, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin, he doesn't hesitate. He's like, listen, I'm going to put my best guy out there. He's going to return yeah. punts, and I'm yeah. not even going to worry about it yeah. because, listen, injuries are a part of the game, and they're going to happen no matter what yeah. you put that player in that position with. So, you know, it's a fine line that I think you have to dance. But, you know, you brought up an interesting point with the lifespan 
of running backs in this league, I think the less hits that you can expose that position to, probably the better off in the long term to make sure that the player sees a second contract. Yeah, I mean, you see Ezekiel Elliott early on, they tried to slow him down. Obviously, he was so good, and hopefully Saquon will be in this, as good as Ezekiel Elliott. But they tried to slow him down. They tried to, you know, pace him through his rookie season because a lot of rookies, you got to understand, they've been going since their bowl game to the, the extracurricular bowl games, you know, the senior bowl, whatever. Then they're going to the mini camps that they're trying to learn how to, uh, you know, get ready for the combines. And they go to combines and they go to rookie mini camps. They've been on it for a long time. So there's no surprise why these rookies get hurt. So I think they try to mitigate that, you know, stretch his career out, maybe not get him the, the carries that he's probably should get, Saquon should get, towards until the middle or the end of the year. Well, and 2,500 total yards, even if you knew he wasn't returning the football, uh -huh. or even if he was it's, getting a few, I think that's an awful lot to uh, begin with. You know, I mean, 2,000 is a, is 2,000 yards, all-purpose yards, is a great season. 2,500 Tremendous season. is, I mean... And that's the icing on the cake. Yeah, I mean, that's... You get to that. I mean, that's... I, mean, I remember Tiki got 3,000. I thought like, he was getting the ball all the time. <laughs> so it's... it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's That's a very lofty number. And I wouldn't want to put that, even even though Saquon is very promising, I wouldn't want to put that on him so just yet, even though he is a second pick over. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think reasonable expectations, Imani, if he could get to 1,000 yards rushing, I think if you're the Giants, you're content with that, knowing you have a few other backs. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be very interested in how much of a workload he gets as a receiver, mm -hmm. because I brought this up on this show. If you look at some of the rookies from last year, Imani, Alvin Kamara of the Saints, Christian yes. McCaffrey of the Panthers, yes. two good comparisons. But those two players had over 80 receptions. Yeah. That's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot more talent I see around Saquon Barkley compared to what New Orleans and Carolina were working with. Yeah, I think Alvin Kamara would be a very good case study because you look at him and as the year, uh, when he first started, he didn't, you know, it wasn't gangbusters from right away. And he really, uh, they, 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 I think what, what the Saints did is they got him in the league and kind of made it a real easy transition for him and then he really took off towards the end of the year and I think that's kind of the, the way that rookies you know seamlessly if any way you can come into the NFL and be productive right off off the back of your rookie year and I think that's that's the a model that I would more uh, try to focus on than, than any other one because can't just throw a guy out there and see what he could do. Build him up and they exactly. also had Mark Ingram which was a exactly. nice luxury to have yeah. to balance it out whereas the Giants do have it's Jonathan Stewart, Stewart. yeah as a fair comparison, but I still think they want Barkley day one mm -hmm. to, you know, at least start getting about 15 so carries a game. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be good, but, I mean, I don't want him to get 25 carries a game or 30 carries a game like back in the day. I mean, that, yeah. that would just shorten his career. I think he, you know, is so promising. I, I you know, loved watching him out there today, and I, I just I just want to see him for a while. I want to see him, his career last. I want to see how good he, he can really be, and, and I think he'll be more productive, you know, once you get, you know, past the, the 13 games – you know, what you play in college. That rookie know, wall. Yeah, hit that rookie wall. Now, you, you know, stretch that out a little bit. I want to see him have a, a complete, full rookie year where he can be competing for the rookie of the year. Is 20 touches a fair number, in your opinion, or is that even too high? Meaning, let's say you give him 15 carries, you give him about five opportunities in the passing game. Mm -hmm. I, think, I, think, uh, I think maybe like 12 carries okay. for the first, you know, eight games. You know, maybe about halfway him, through the season. Maybe give him uh, three to four out of the opportunities out of the backfield. Okay. You know, and uh, and as as he shows that he can master this this stuff, and as he shows he can, um, uh, you know, adjust to the NFL game, I think then you kind of start add more and more. I think because if you put him in there too early, I think that uh, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm just saying that if you want him to be around for a long time, you kind of ease him in because I think that. Uh, you know, you, you got to make sure that I think getting uh, Jonathan Stewart is a great idea. You know, have somebody who's who's going to be able to take a lot of the carries because it's too hard nowadays to have a one care one oh, back. Oh, possible, yeah. It's not a one back league anymore. You have to have two, maybe even three guys, and maybe a guy for a third downs and whatnot. But uh, I think Saquon is a guy that I'm I'm really excited to see how well he's going to play this year. And to your point, Jonathan Stewart comes from a background where he split carries with D'Angelo Williams mm -hmm. in Carolina. So yeah. for him, it's nothing new. He's yeah. used to mm -hmm. being that complimentary back. Whether they want him to get 10 carries, they give him seven, mm -hmm. I think he'll go with the flow. And obviously it's a nice presence in the locker room to have yeah. a veteran like that. I think veteran presence on this team is a lot better than there than in years past. I mean, there's five-year guys. There's guys who've been in the league seven years. And last year, I mean, you know, last couple years, you know, 
it, it, it was a very young team that uh, didn't seem to have the leadership as they have this year. Before we head back to the lines, I know one of the other questions was 25 points per game yeah. for the Giants' offense. And, you know, last year they were in the teens. They were hovering around that mainly because of all the personnel they lost. Mm -hmm. I think 25 is realistic. And, and I think if you're the Giants and, and you're Pat Shermer and you look at what he's done with previous offenses and the players they're going to have on the field, I, I don't think 25 is a stretch at all. I think if you're not scoring 28, you're not really going to be comp competitive in this league. So uh, 25, you know, is – I don't think it's extraordinary, and I think that 25 is absolutely doable. And if this team is going to be competitive, they're going to absolutely have to do 25. I'd even say they'd have to do uh, closer, closer to 28. Yeah, I mean, if you even look back at, and I'll look up the numbers in terms of the top scoring offenses, I think the, the Rams were right up there last year. Yeah, I mean, the blink of an eye, yeah. they put up 30 yeah, no, without any hesitation. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it, the league is so wide up, open now, you, you can't be scoring 25 and expecting to win. I don't care what kind of defense you have because eventually uh, you will get worn down because if you're not scoring and you're not driving the ball, that time, the time on the clock is really going to be in the – not going to be – in the favor of their defensive players. Yeah, because you put a lot more stress on exactly. them. And like you said, time of possession does not favor them as well. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Dan is in the Poconos. Dan, what's happening? Hey, fellas. It's a real pleasure to talk to you, Lance and Imani. Thanks. Well, thanks so much for calling in. What do you got for us, Dan? Well, not too much for you, Lance, but I just wanted to just uh, see the ticket holder and just so right. pumped to finally, nice. you know, finally, we're going to finally get some answers, you know, well, I don't mean in the first preseason game, but, you know, to all these questions we got going for so long, you know, how many carries, how many yards, blah, 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 you know, I'm just so psyched that we're finally here. And I just wanted to mention, I don't know, it must have been about five years ago, Monty, mm -hmm. you, were in the, you were in the parking lot outside of Giant Stadium and you were signing autographs and taking pictures with people for mm -hmm. free, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think it was about five years ago, I don't know. And um, it was so great because it was funny, a, call, a guy had called up earlier and said, you know, asked you about your favorite catch. Mm -hmm. And um, when I walked up to you to get a picture and get my get your autograph, I, I said to you, I said, Imani, when I look at you, I just think of you catching that in that first playoff game against Dallas, catching yeah. that, that, that little wide out, and then you turned it on to down the sideline and you ran the whole way down for a touchdown. And you put a big smile on your face and you said, yeah, that was great. I'm like, yeah, it was. It was so great. Oh, man. Just reminiscing a little bit. But, yeah, but like other callers said, thanks so much for all your years with the Giants. And uh, we really appreciate it. And it's great talking to you. Yeah, it was fun. And, I, had, and, I had a great time. Yeah, it's a great organization. That's all I that's all I got, fellas. So, well, uh, Dan, thanks a lot. You move got on it. to the next guy. Absolutely. <laughs> well, appreciate the phone call. Yeah. Thanks so much for weighing in. Huge turning point in that Cowboys game. Yeah, no, that was that was a great day. And the best part about that day was after the game when we were in the locker room. And, no, I was, I was watching TV, and I was watching the interviews afterwards, and that's where Terrell, Terrell Owens was, that's my quarterback. And he Emotional. was crying. Yeah. He, he had the dark sunglasses on, the stream of tears down his <laughs> eyes. I was, oh, that was – I mean, Terrell Owens, I, I, I love the guy, but, man, that was the best feeling afterwards, knowing we beat them and ruined their career down in – ruined their uh, – their their number one seed status. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was We're great. very impressive that season. How long before the game or after the game did you know that Jerry Jones gave everybody oh, we knew the, in the tickets? We knew in warm-ups. So what was it? Tom Coughlin made that very clear yes, to everybody? Yes, very clear. In warm-ups. We came back in, and they're like, they got tickets for, <laughs> for the NFC Championship, championship game. And he put benches. them out in front of the lockers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember that was a huge storyline. Yeah. No. Connected to that game. No, I mean, we, we were – because they had beat us twice already yeah. that year. And we were like, man, they're not going to beat us three times. And then, you know, it was, it was not – I mean, I remember every one of those games we were in underdogs in that playoff run. Even in Tampa Bay we were underdogs, which I couldn't understand. But it, it was it – was, um, it was, great, it was a great run. Yeah. Well, that's why they play the games. Exactly. I always say this. You know, everybody wants to give me the gambling aspect and this and that. They got to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> don't matter who's I, favorite I, on paper. I don't know. Still got to play the I game. I don't know how you – being on the inside of uh, the NFL for so long, I don't know how you gamble on this stuff. Like, I, I, I don't know how you do it. Well, there's a lot of people that can show you less <laughs> hairs on their head as to the stress that it's they have as a result of that, body. <laughs> it's crazy. Indeed. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. Len, welcome aboard. What do you got? Hey, guys. How you doing? What's going on, Len? Doing well, Len. Good, good, good. Listen, uh, Amani, uh, 
Thanks for all your great plays. You were, you were a great giant. Thank really you. appreciate Thank it. You. Really appreciate your play. Um, I, ju- I just want to tell you, I was in the end zone in that Denver game when you jumped up and caught that pass from Graham. Uh-huh. I, I just I just want to let you know, if you hadn't caught it, I would have. I was right there <laughs> jumping up with you. <laughs> hey, listen, my fondest... My my fondest remembrance, though, uh, the weekend after Plaxico's accident, yes. you played the Redskins. I was in the stands that yes. day. Yes. If we ever needed a pick me up, it was it was that day. We needed somebody to pick us up, and you did. Mm-hmm. Great game. Thank Great you. game, Amani. Yeah. Yeah. Really, ter- really terrific. Um, listen, I want to ask you about a player. Um, I got my eye on a wide receiver. Okay. I think the weakness is going to turn out to be, you both alluded to this at the beginning of the show, I don't, I don't know about a special teams play. Marquise Bundy, big guy, mm-hmm. 6'4". I think we need a bigger receiver, Amani. I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know I'm not arguing with Beckham. I mean, he's the greatest and, and Shepard, but, you know, we could, we could use a taller guy like you. Um, I'm too old. What do you, I mean, what do you, I'm what do you think? Of I can't go Bundy. out there and do it. I think anymore. Bundy comes in. I think Bundy's about six four. Yeah, no, I saw him today. Um, he was, you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, he, there's a, there's a, you can't look at Odell Beckham and oh, and and Shepard and look at Bundy and, and be impressed because he's such a long strider. Everything yeah. is going to look a little bit slower. But yeah. um, I just think that you know you, you got to find a way to tighten up his technique a little bit. And that's, okay. that's one of the things that okay. I, and I, I liked what uh, what I saw today in practice. But you know, you can just tell you can tell a lot about a receiver by watching them in in, in uh, just routes versus air. Just to kind of okay. like if they pay attention to the details, their yeah. routes are going to be crisp. You know, they, you can tell they run the routes a lot. You can just right. look at their body and see how comfortable they are. And some of them I didn't know how comfortable he was. It seemed like they were a little okay. foreign to him. And I don't know okay. if that's a learning curve or I don't know if it's whatever, but that's just my impression of what I saw today. But, you know, I saw him make a couple good plays today. I think he made a, had a good catch this afternoon. So uh, we'll okay. see. We'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm he, he's gotten a couple of shout-outs from uh, John in his writings on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him from last year. I, yeah. I think he spent the whole season on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally got a shot maybe the last two games of the season. Didn't play much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like you guys talked about, if, you, if, you, if you're going to be three, four, or five on the wide receiver uh, group, uh, I mean, you know, you've got to be able to do something on special teams, either returns or, you know, run down, make a tackle, or something along those lines. And he's big enough to be able to do all that. I mean, he, he's a perfect special teams body, a big, fast guy who's, you know, 212 or 210 pounds. Yeah. He can, yeah. He can do it. He can absolutely do yeah. it. He just It's just yeah. a matter of uh, the want to or – if he's done, okay. I mean, some guys have never played special teams before. Yeah, I'm just going yeah. to see what, what kind of, uh, you know, what, what kind of a player he's going to be. Yeah, and to okay. your point, hey, one, one, let me well, ask you well, one, well, Len, one last Len, question. Be, before you, before you go on too, on that this, question, I'm, Len. I'm sorry, Lance. Yeah, go no, ahead, no, Lance. I was going to say before you go on that question, I, I just wanted to add to what you said. Bundy, he came into camp very late last year. He actually, yes, he I'm did. Looking up, he signed August 23rd. So the yeah. advantage of this year is, like you said, he was on the practice squad for the majority of last year, but he's now going to be here for the entirety of camp yeah. where he yeah. wasn't here last year. So we'll yeah. see whether or not that makes a difference as well. But go yes. ahead with your yeah. uh, next question, Len. Okay. Um, yeah, I had to – well, I, I wanted uh, Amani's impression. What do, what, do you, what do you think of this group? Not, not the wide receivers. What do, you, what do you think of this team, Amani? I mean, my impression is this is a team that, uh, you know, they were embarrassed last year. Yeah. They were an embarrassed. They yeah. had the worst record oh, than the Giants, uh, the Giants have ever had. So yeah. there's a lot of, you know, you don't have to worry about this team being overconfident like they were the year before when they were coming off <laughs> their playoffs. So yeah. oftentimes I've figured that the teams that, you know, have that one-two and that have tasted the, the embarrassment that they've had usually come back yeah. stronger. Uh, so, yeah. I, you know, they seem a lot more professional. They seem Good. like they uh, – it, it just seems like a much more football f- uh, that, that I'm used to seeing. You know, I mean, you have yeah. the music in yeah. the beginning. That's great. But then when it comes down to practice, it's, you know, it's periods moving. Everybody's moving. Everybody's, uh, you know, coaches are coaching. And it's, it's just like, yeah. it's like a real normal football to me because last year that's yeah. not what I saw. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You I'm got it, Thanks again. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate the All phone right. call, Len. Thanks so much, Wayne. And when you were talking about Bundy, Amani, you mentioned about the route running, the yeah. crispness. What's interesting, when Tyke Tolbert spoke to the media, the wide receivers coach, he mentioned, you know, everybody looks at the guy who gets the pass thrown to him, but we're watching the players on the opposite side and how they're running routes and whether they're getting open. Mm -hmm. That's just as important yeah. in terms of the analysis and the evaluation. Yeah, because you don't know if the ball's coming to you, right? So you know all you can do as a wide receiver is know where to line up and know your route adjustment and execute your route. If the ball comes to you, that's that's up that's you know that's out of your control. The only thing you can control is what you do. And if you're putting out something on film, even if you're not catching the ball, that isn't um, that's, the ball's not thrown to you. That it's not commensurate to what they think a receiver at the pro level should be. That's all they have to evaluate of you on, and you're not gonna you're not gonna be around too long. I just wonder, from a player's perspective, Amani, how challenging that is, because I'm sure if you're a young player, especially. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, if I'm not getting the ball, I'm not flashing enough on film. True, and and you you won't. But that's but you. I'll tell you one way you won't flash on film is if you don't run your routes hard, and then they throw you the ball, and then you get covered, and then you're well. But I didn't know I was gonna get the ball. That that doesn't. So you really wasted work. your one opportunity exactly because you weren't paying attention exactly. to all those other times. Exactly. You didn't get the ball. So you got to make yeah. it a habit of just running your routes as hard as you can. And making a habit of, of, of being professional. If the ball comes to you, perfect. You'll be able to flash. But if the ball doesn't come to you, you'll still, you could still, in the back of your mind, say, well, I ran my route white. You know, I ran my route well. And if it doesn't, you know, you don't have control over it. That's one bad thing about being a receiver. You just don't know. You could be running. You could have the best you can run the best routes the entire game, and the only route you slack off would be the route they throw you the ball. And you get the one drop, and then they exactly. tell you you played a horrible game exactly. when you were winning all your other battles. Or you could catch, like, nine balls, and then at the end of the game, they're going to throw you the ball, and you drop it, and you're the GOAT. You know what I mean? This is, yep. this is how it ah, works. That's a good point. It's the ebbs and flows of a football yeah. game. It's like baseball. You can be four for four. If they, if they and need then you, you to be five for five to win, in the last you, at bat. The goat. Yeah. yeah, or you don't swing, and you go down looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you did before. Correct. Yeah. So short memory. Let's head back to the phone lines. Pete is on Staten Island. Pete, what's happening? Good afternoon, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Armani. It really is one of my favorite old-time giants. No thank question you. about it. I appreciate it. that. Uh, thank you. Um, my question is, and you were just talking about route running, and, and I have an interesting question for you. Mm -hmm. You play with a number of different quarterbacks, mm -hmm. and I was wondering, you know, uh, during the course of a game, you're saying to yourself, okay, you know, Terry throws the ball, you know, this way, and Eli throws it this way, and Graham throws it this way. I have to increase my speed. I have to slow it down a little bit because the ball might be coming a little, uh, the ball might be coming a little um, harder or slower, things of that nature. And then I have another question. Um, did that happen with you? No, no. I run my routes the exact same way all the time. I never wanted to get in a bad habit of running slow routes, I, and the quarterback had to catch up with me, or I had to catch up with him. It, I, I ran my routes the same way. It's too hard to get the timing together when you're running fast one time, slow another time. It's all about timing. You got to make, you got to be consistent so the quarterback can adjust to you instead of you adjusting to him. Okay, great answer. And my second question: You were talking about. Um, your uh, catches against Dallas and everything else. And uh, I was watching, actually, on one, I saw you, I, I uh, watched some uh, uh, tapes of you. Um, ten, it, it said 10 of Armani Toomer's best catches. And I was watching it. I wanted to ask you, you know, forget about best catches. What do you think is your most important catch for your legacy as a giant? What, what would you feel is the most you know what? This is my this is my trademark catch. This is the one that's gonna this is gonna be my legacy. This catch. Oh. Boy, they're really going into the archives with you today, Amadi. Yeah, honestly, like I can remember a couple of them, but like I I don't remember all of them. <laughs> There's been so many. <laughs> no, I mean it's not. It's like yeah. I just don't. I don't know. It's like I, you, you make a catch and you just kind of throw it away and keep on to the next play, and that's kind of way I played. And you know, it's. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, there had to be one that, you know, in a playoff game, you said, you know what, this is the one. This is the one. We want a playoff game because of my catcher or, or something like that. You know, I always thought the Dallas game, I mean, that, that catch obviously was very important, uh -huh. you know, 
uh, to gain the momentum and, and take it away from them. Um, and, you know, so there has to be one. And I know you had it. And I know you, you know, you probably think about it. You probably dream about that after magic. All right, listen, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate <laughs> everything. Uh, you're it. a great giant. And, uh, Thanks, Pete. you know, I appreciate it all. Thanks, all right, Pete. Pete. That's appreciate tough, the most tough question, day. Pete. Man, you're making me. Yeah, you're making, making Amani think, think here. Yeah. <laughs> See, Amani would rather leave it up to everybody else to do the rankings. Exactly. And put one in front of the other. Yeah. No, I, I'm not a millennial. Like I don't, I don't do the self-promotion thing, which probably hurt yeah. me. But you know, <laughs> well, I, let, I, I respect the guys who. Hey, you know what? Let the uh, game do the talking, yeah. and everybody else can yeah. uh, weigh in on that. Yeah. Old school. Yes, old school. It's Absolutely. hard to say you're old school, Lance. You're not, you're not that old. Well, but I, I think I have an old heart. Hey, uh, you're I'll, old I'll soul. go with that. Old soul, <laughs> old heart. Yeah, I'll go with that line. I, I, I'm a big fan of the old school mentality, okay. though. All right. You know, don't, uh, don't let looks be deceiving mm. in, in terms of that. Mm. Speaking of old school, you'll be very enamored with our next guest. He's a regular. I don't know whether or not your high opinion of him will change by the time the phone call ends. It certainly has changed for me over the course of time on this program, <laughs> and that is Charlie in Portland, Maine. Charlie, what's happening? Hey, Lance, Amarni, you're up, Mr. GQ, giant quality. That's what what you are, man, Mr. GQ. That's his latest. I thought you were talking about my shirt. To the list, yeah. <laughs> it takes you know, it takes a real man to wear pink. You know what it I mean? Does. Yes. <laughs> no, hey, I love it. It looks it looks orange on, on the on the computer, but oh, that's all right. Oh man, you gotta get your uh, you gotta get those. Uh, Get your screen adjusted. Yeah, man. or the lenses adjusted, the or, you, or, or something you. else I was going to say could be adjusted too. <laughs> that would fall in line with a lot of the other things Charlie has said on this hey, program. Yes. Hey, this is hey I, knew you, I knew you did yoga, which I think is great. I mean, if I was coach, I'd have them all out there doing Qigong, and um, you'd find a big difference too. You'd have some guy, great you, Qigong guys, but I don't know if you had great football players. <laughs> the football players got to play football. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, what Qigong does is gives you the oh. eye of the hurricane. So with your calm in the center, in your mind, then you can go out and, and create havoc. That's what Qigong does. Gotcha. Charlie believes staring down your opponent makes them drop so that you have a clear path <laughs> down the left or the right sideline. You can tell. Hey. The art of fighting yes, the... without knowing how to fight. Exactly. <laughs> Very spiritual look at football, Yes. Hey, Marty, did you ever do ballet? Because, man, you used to tap dance right on right on that sideline. And is that something you can teach other receivers, or was that just something that you had and very seems very few have that ability to do that? You know, it's funny. I, when I played in college, I was never really known for it. I never, you know, I, I, we just do these drills all the time. Um, uh, and we just kept doing the drills over and over and over again and it just became second major and I didn't even think about it like I just would would catch a ball and I just put my feet in that way and it was just kind of it <laughs> yeah you know can you can you show aspect. that to some of these receivers that we have <laughs> I mean is that possible uh I could show it to them but I mean I don't I don't know if they would take <laughs> I mean do they heed to it did they do they do the drills that you were doing for that I mean, are they? Are, no, the they Giants receive They don't. They don't do the drills. We we used to do different types of drills. I mean, we used to just you know warming up. It was like a warm up. You'd catch a couple balls and you'd do these drills all the time. And after like wow. 11, 12 bring years that back. of it, I just kind of like just don't even think about it. Yeah, we should bring it back because uh, I mean, you were you were incredible Thank doing you. those drills. And hey, I got a question for you. Two thousand eight was probably one of the best teams the New York Giants ever had. Mm -hmm. And I know Plax took himself out, but I couldn't understand why that team couldn't have gone on further and actually, you know, relied on you more to take his place. And there had to be another wide receivers that could have filled in. And, you know, I, I don't know, it just seemed like everything fell apart when he left. And I couldn't understand why. Well, I mean, they, could you? Well, I, I, my role didn't change. They they brought mm -hmm. up uh, a couple other guys who, to take Plexico's role, and I would have loved the opportunity to to move over and play X, but I didn't get that opportunity. I played, I stayed at Z, and uh, that's kind of how it happened. And I yeah, was, that was, was a not, big mistake. I was very upset <laughs> about it, uh, but you know that was what ten years ago. 
Ten years ago. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I, hey, I want to. So I can sleep about it. I can sleep. You've just, had time to recover. Just last month, I've got. A, I can sleep about it. Now. That was the anniversary, the yeah. turning point. You're able to move on from it. Yeah. Finally, finally I finally uh, turned the page. You know oh I mean? man, took so long after all that time. <laughs> well, I, I. Yeah. You know, I. When Charlie I was apparently has like, not turned the page. Yeah. Yeah. Because you definitely were the best wide receiver on the team. You know, when plaques went out. You were the best guy to step up, and I couldn't understand why they just didn't utilize you more. But I understand, and old wounds move, you know. I'm glad you've moved on. I haven't quite yet, but. (laughs) Well, you know, I. That was my contract year, so if they would have put me there, I probably might have played a couple more. Stole there a couple, you go. Probably could have stole a couple more years. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They knew they, I think they were moving on from me. so Dusted off the hey, cleats. Hey, Marnie, yeah. great talking to you. Lance, uh, it's always uh, sometimes a pleasure. Oh, so. yes. Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes oh, wow. a pleasure, yeah. Have a, well, have have a great that. weekend. Guys. Yeah, appreciate Thanks. the phone call. He'll try to get it a shot or two uh, yeah. as he can. You, you can tell, though. I, I'll be honest with you. I've never heard Charlie compliment a player associated with the New York Giants organization as much really? in one phone call as he did just now. Really? So wow. you are I'm, in I unique be, I'm very territory. Honored. Yes. So I should send a uh, cold beverage up to Paul Absolutely. And well, he sent us lobsters. So, did he? yeah, he placed a bet with Jeff Eagle. Speaking of the gambling aspect, yeah. he uh, <laughs> made a, a little gamble about a, a previous wide receiver that was on the team and then went to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. The uh, the French wide receiver who they had in camp a few years ago. Okay. And then he went to Atlanta, and they bet whether or not he'd actually make the roster. Yeah. And he did not make the roster. Okay. So he owed Jeff a bunch of lobsters, and he finally why, why would sent them. Does he know to Jeff us. like is around here and talks to the coaches, and he watches them in practice? Feagles? Oh, yeah. well, That's you would hope you would think Charlie would know that. You think Charlie would know that? He so. would never shy away from a bet. Regard, he could be going up against the greatest football player of all time with a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight, uh-huh. and he'd still feel good okay. about his observations. I would. I want to. I want to yeah. wager uh, with Charlie. I think I said. Charlie. I'd be more than happy to Charlie. see that wager. I, I got to do it. Yeah, I think you do. I, Lobsters I think- for if uh, Odell Beckham gets over a thousand yards this year. Oh, you want to go that route? So I, I, I think we could go much more obscure, Hamani. I, okay. I think we, we could Shepherd. spice it up. Shepard, over okay. 1,000 yards this year. That's, that's a decent one. That's a I, decent I can one. go with that. I thought you were I gotta stay with the wideout. Well, you know? no, but I thought you were gonna pick somebody that may have moved on to another team, oh, and we can determine whether or not they're gonna make oh, the team, oh. or you know, the last final cut on the 53-man roster. Oh. We'll give you time to think. We can always report back to Charlie on the program. We can. You yeah. gotta, I'll, I'll do I, that. I think that's something we'll work on. Over a couple the, more days of practice, I'll have a good one. The for month you. of August. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I have faith that we can definitely develop uh, something on that front. Few things uh, I just want to touch on that we had hit on throughout the course of the program. I looked up scoring offenses last year. So the Rams were at 29.9 points per game. So mm-hmm. they were pretty much right at 30. The Patriots were two. Tied with the Eagles at 28.6. The Saints were 28. And rounding out the top five was Jacksonville at 26. Now, keep this in mind. This is points per game. So if your defense chips in like with Jacksonville, obviously it's going to help reflect your points. But the question was more about can the Giants get to 25. Now, just to give you a barometer, the top eight teams in the NFL last year had 25 points or more. Ninth was Baltimore at 24.7. And if we are to look over the top eight teams in the NFL last year, Rams made the playoffs, Patriots made the playoffs, Eagles made the playoffs, Saints made the playoffs, Jaguars made the playoffs, Chiefs made the playoffs, Lions did not make the playoffs, Steelers did make the playoffs. So seven of the eight teams that averaged at least 25 points per game last season wound up making the playoffs. So to your point, Amani, they don't get to 25. It's not necessarily a good sign of what the – rest of the season and the future is going to hold. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot lower than I thought, but because um, I thought there was at least – I thought the Rams I actually – I thought there was one or two that may have been over 30. Okay. That, that That's what I did, too, from just short-term memory. But, you know, listen, the Rams were at 29.9. They clearly – they were scoring over 30 a lot yeah. of times sure throughout the course the dogs, of the season. You know, once they kind of had everything sewn up there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, at least a good look of what perhaps the Giants' goal would be this season. Twenty-eight. Well, in they terms were last year. Points they were what, per game. Nineteen. You said? Uh, the Giants last year. Oh, fifteen. Fifteen points again. Thirty-first in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So can they get to ten more points this season? 
That's what you know, they're actually, asking that caller, The caller had a great. I mean, that's a that's a good number to. to I think it's a great number. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, not not not. Uh, I, was, I was expecting a little bit higher than that, but yeah. Yeah, 15, and, and that's obviously what happens with respect to the injuries. And, you know, if you're the Giants, too, you want to see the defense perhaps put some points on the board. Imani, even special teams, too, yeah. we should mention. Yeah. I you mean, get production out of those facets, you know, that could help bring up your scoring load. Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're going to have a stinker in there. You're going to have a game where you don't score. You kick it, maybe have a field goal, maybe 10 points. And that definitely dramatically brings down your average. If you're even scoring, like, 27, 27, 27, you have a 10-point game. Now, that would uh, – that'd, skew those numbers a little bit but yeah i'd be i'd be interested to see if they can get you know they, i think they should shoot for 20 because 20 seems like you're pretty much in the playoff hunt right so you'd be I, in the playoff hunt yeah. you wouldn't be guaranteed anything but no. you'd be in the hunt but i mean you'd be in the hunt you'd be in the middle of the pack that's but be, i mean we we let, let's shoot for the middle of the pack and hope we outshoot our out kick our coverage that'll be the key because yeah. i mean even if you look at a team like minnesota and the reason I bring that up is because that's where Pat Shermer was last year. Minnesota was 10th in the NFL last year. They averaged just under 24 points per game. Yeah. And they also had the number one scoring defense in the National Football League, meaning they gave up the least amount of points, their and, defense. And more importantly, they went to the playoffs. And they were, uh, you know, they were, you know, they had a great playoff run for yeah. the Minnesota Vikings who hadn't been to the playoffs and. Well, they haven't been as competitive in a while. Well, and they hadn't had as deep of a run. Yeah. Especially, you got to go back to, you know, the Dante Culpepper, Randall Cunningham days. Yeah. You know, when Randy the Vikings Moss were. Randy Moss, yeah. exactly. So, it was quite a turnaround. But it just goes to show you, when you play balanced football, mm -hmm. you're going to be in good shape. You're going to be competitive. As opposed to if you're just relying on one of the facets of your yeah. team to do all the heavy lifting, it's usually not going to end very well. Yeah, usually teamwork usually makes, um, you know, you have a, a solid team both in the locker room and on the field, and in the front office, more importantly. Yeah. It, uh, it really lends itself to having a, you being a better team. From the top the down. Field. Top down, That's absolutely. how the tone is set. Absolutely. And people here are really excited about what Dave Gettleman has done. Um, I'm, I'm as well. Uh, I think that uh, you know, their coaching staff is excellent. And uh, I'm watching them perform today. I was, I was very impressed. Well, it'll be fun to watch moving forward. Another week of training camp in the books here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. will be up and running again on Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest as well as the latest press conferences. Imani, this was a lot of fun. It was. Now I got my picture on the wall. Absolutely. I'm glad. All that right. was the biggest I my, accomplishment. I got my, my jersey in the stadium, and now I got my picture on the wall. See, it's baby steps. We're what making some strides. I, can't, I don't think I can get any better than that. That's the finish any better than that. of the resume. Imani Tumor now officially putting his imprint on the wall here at the Big Blue Kickoff Live studio. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. From Monty Tuber, I'm Lance Meadow. Have a good one.